Shalom, and welcome to the Jewish Yogi Podcast with Emily Hertzfeld, the podcast that explores Jewish thought, belief, and practice with yoga, philosophy, values, and practice. Please feel free to reach out on Instagram at the Jewish Yogi or email at the Jewish Yogi at gmail.com. Shalom. This week's episode of the Jewish Yogi welcomes Harris Lender and Evan Cohn, the couple that created and run the wonderful course Yoga Yiladim, the only Jewish kids yoga program in the country. It is the ultimate fusion of Jewish learning, body awareness, and spiritual understanding all rolled up into a yoga mat. It provides teachers tools to incorporate yoga and meditation with a Jewish curriculum. Yoga Yiladim is a program that branched out of Kidding Around Yoga, an incredible comprehensive children's yoga teacher training that is through the Satyananda lineage that Harris Lender created. These are two great training programs that I highly recommend. Kidding Around Yoga was founded in 2009 by Harris Harini Lender, who is a certified integral yoga teacher at the 500 level. She's also certified in prenatal, raja, children's, and stress management. She spent 11 years running Camp Yogaville and for the last nine years at her own summer sleepover yoga camp in Florida. She is extremely grateful to her teacher Swami Satchananda and to all the Swami's friends and teachers at Yogaville that have helped guide her over the years. She is also thankful to her parents who gave her the insanely creative ability to write songs and invent lots of fun activities for the kids. And her husband Evan, who is right there by her side, helping her with all things. Hi, how are you guys? Excellent, Emily. How are you? Hi, Emily. Nice to meet you, Evan, officially. <laughs> We're turning your volume up. Hold on. Yes, nice to meet you officially in the flesh. So here we are. We have Harris Lender, her husband Evan, and they are the brains behind the Yoga Yiladim training. And we want to hear more about that. So, how did you guys come to work together on this? How did we get to work together on it? Right. All right. Honey, I hope you don't mind me sharing this. My husband was very successful in the financial world for many years. He worked for GE Capital and Wachovia and Citibank and all these big companies. And then, you know, the financial world kind of crumbled. And right as the financial world was crumbling, it was like 2008-ish, my company was kicking to this. Like Kidding Around Yoga was just starting to make sense. People were listening to me. I was starting to do trainings. And I even had another company, which you probably don't want to hear about, but I'll just say it real quickly. I was on a a reality TV show with Kelly Ripa, and it was called The Lava Cover. And I was one of only 15 people that were chosen to be on that show, Homemade Millionaire. And the company was a blanket, which was half light for him and half heavy for me. And so I was doing Kidding Around Yoga and this Lava Cover thing. And, and he was losing his job, as everybody was in that industry. And I said, okay, honey, we need to make a big decision here. I've got two things going on. They both look like they could be successful. You're losing your job. Can you please help me? I said, just for two weeks. I said, I just need your help for two weeks because I am swamped. That was 2008. I said, I think I'm going to get rid of the love of and focus on yoga because that's all I care about in life is yoga. And he said, okay, I'll give you two weeks. And that was... I think 2008. <laughs> nice. Okay. So you have this great business going on, this great training, Kidding Around Yoga, which I also did. Great training. Love it. 
And you're teaching children's yoga. Could you share about your yoga background and how you came focused on children's yoga? Yeah. I, as many women do, started taking yoga when I was pregnant with my daughter. And, you know, a lot of people don't think about their health until all of a sudden they realize there's another human inside them. They're like, oh, I got to do all these healthy things. But I did that and I stuck with it. So 30 years ago, I started practicing yoga and then I decided I want to become a yoga teacher. I was really into it. And I had a series of unfortunate things happen in my family and I wasn't feeling well. I was, I needed some tools. So I ended up going to Yogaville in Virginia, the Satchitananda Ashram in Virginia for a one month training. Of course, my kids were really little. So I did a split two weeks in January, two weeks in September And it changed my life. When I came home, people literally looked at me and they said, what happened to you? So I knew that I was onto something because I had tools, yoga, meditation, pranayama. I was already a vegetarian, but I became way more committed to healthy eating and it just changed my life. So I knew that I was going to stick with it. I met Swami Satchidananda and I got really into the teachings, the history of yoga, and that was the beginning of it. That was in 1999-2000. So you become a certified yoga instructor. And then you transition into children's yoga for the Kidding Around. And then how did you come to make the business of Kidding Around Yoga and then segue into Yoga Yiladim? Oh my gosh. Oh boy. You might have to remind me. So how did I get into children's yoga? No worries. You know how we are with our kids, right? We just have to chase them around and embarrass them, right? Wherever they go. So I had just newly come out of the the factory, the yoga factory. My kids were really little and wherever they went, you know, brownies, Hebrew school, birthday parties, there I was, let's do some yoga. But I didn't know how to teach kids yoga. I just created it. And I do come from a fairly creative family. So it sort of came natural to me. So I did, I taught everywhere. My kids went to a sleepover Jewish camp and they were so excited to get away from me. And I showed up like a week later. Oh, look, surprise, mommy's here teaching yoga to everyone at the camp. And then my daughter was, my youngest daughter was in fourth grade Hebrew school. This happens often. Like literally, I think two days before classes started in September or August, the teacher backed out. And they sent out that emergency email, help, we need a Hebrew school teacher. And nobody responded. And I'm like, I can't teach Hebrew school. I am not qualified to do this. But if you help me, maybe I can do this, get someone to teach the actual language. Like I cannot teach Hebrew, I can read it. So it started with that. And then I went into her classroom. Oh, she's still mad at me. And she's like 26 now. And I was like, okay, how am I going to make this fun for the kids? And I like to pride myself on being the fun mom, but I just started taking all the Jewish holidays and I wrote stories using yoga poses. What is Rosh Hashanah? What is Yom Kippur? Blah, blah, blah. Mostly the big holidays. I wasn't married to Evan yet. He's very religious. I learned about some of the other holidays later that I I knew what they were, but I wasn't teaching them in Hebrew school. So I did that in fourth grade. There was no name for it. I did not call it Yoga Yeladim. It was just mom trying to figure out what to do in Hebrew school. Kids learn through play. So it worked out great because we had to move. You know, they were falling asleep on their desks. 
So I started doing that, I don't know, 2008, nine, something like that. Then Harris opened up a business called <laughs> Yoga with Harris. Oh. And that was in uh, St. Pete. And so she was doing yoga with Harris, teaching yoga classes all around. Still doing occasional kids class, but that was like a summertime activity. If uh, there was the camp in Yogaville that she ran. But uh, after a while of Yoga with Harris, it was uh, becoming clear there were a lot more younger yoga teachers competing for the adult market. And Harris decided at that point that she was going to just focus all her energy on kids. I used to run the Yogaville Kids Sleepover Camp in Virginia. It was a one-week kids yoga sleepover camp. I did that for 11 years. And then I did it here in Florida for eight years. And it ended with COVID. I was going to go out with a bang. That was my 20th year. And, and how many times have we heard someone say this? And then COVID happened. So I did that for 19 years. So there's been a lot of family and kids yoga over the last 20 years. But essentially, Harris decided that she was going to do focus only on kids yoga to make herself at least a different marketplace. And it was better because kids, they're not like adults who are who decide not to show up at the last minute or, you know, say, oh, I had something else. I couldn't make it. Like when they're booked, they're booked and, you know, they're showing up and you're getting a class of 15 kids every time. So it's a lot different and it was a lot more satisfying. The times were better school hours or right after school. And uh, you'd also get paid for weeks in advance. You know, a parent yeah. would pay you for here's six weeks in advance. Well, you know how that goes, Emily. You sign your kid up for gymnastics and you're like, I don't care if you don't feel good, you're going. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true. I mean, it was, it did make a little bit more sense. And so that was how the kids yoga became a thing. And uh, Harris started her first training here, you know, teaching other people to teach kids yoga in her style because she was going away. We were going to on a vacation and she needed someone to do her classes while she was away. And so we did have a partner at the time, or Harris had a partner, and she was also very busy. So they decided to teach a few more teachers how to help them because they were getting so busy. And bada boom, bada bing. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. I, I, was, I did have a partner that I taught with, but she had never taught a training ever. She'd been coming with me to all the trainings. And honestly, in the back of so my the head- classes, they weren't trainings, they were just classes. No, and trainings too, but, and classes, everything. Yeah, yeah, but my biggest fear, because I was the only one doing it, was my dad was a little older. He had had a stroke. Mm -hmm. And my biggest fear was like, oh my gosh, what happens if my dad gets sick? And I was doing trainings in Paris, Costa Rica. What happens if my dad gets sick? And boom, my dad gets sick. I have a training in Costa Rica. I literally call my partner that I've been teaching with. She'd never done a training. I said, Never left the country. I never left the country, never been on a plane alone. I said, <laughs> I am not going to make it to Costa Rica next week. You have to go. And she flipped out. She said, I've never been on a plane by myself. I'm like, you're going. And then after that, I said, never again. And I started training. Well, you know, we have about 50 trainers now. I was like, this will never happen again. Train, train, train. In fact, Emily, would you like to be a trainer for us? Yes. That sounds interesting. Yes. I'm definitely interested. Let's talk. Okay, we will talk another time. Okay. I'm room. very interested, definitely. <laughs> so you have the great children's yoga business going, chugging along. You were teaching at the religious school. Then what happened? I was only at the religious school for one year, only because it was my daughter's classroom and I thought it was a mitzvah, it was the right thing to do. Indeed. I'm not gonna say I was great at it either. I did the best I could. They were stuck and I helped them. And then 
It was a few more years after that before we even started kidding around yoga, just a couple. I did one training here in the lobby of a chiropractic office, the first training. And I remember making the manual and like my, I started typing and my fingers wouldn't stop. I'm like, oh my gosh, I know this. This is so easy. Here's the pranayama we're going to do. This is how we're going to make this fun for kids. Here's the games we're going to play. Here's how we're going to take meditation and make it fun. I just couldn't stop. My fingers would not stop. And honestly, we still make changes to the manual, but that went on for about 10 years with the manual. And then we did that one training, 10 people showed up, which I thought was pretty cool. That is a good number. And I'll never forget, Evan came over. I had all these backjack chairs and manuals that were hand labeled and oh my gosh, so amateurish. But Evan showed up at lunch to drop off something and he took one look at me and I bet I could say this word for word. He said, <laughs> wow, you are in your element. You just get to talk all day long. <laughs> people are stuck here and they have to listen to you. And I said, you're right. I was so happy. Like I just, you know, that moment where you realize I know what I'm talking about. This is my thing, you know, you know. I do. I can definitely relate yeah. to that. So that was like 2009 or 10. Okay. I should know that, but maybe it was a general kidding around yoga. It was kidding around yoga. I had just come up with a name, just made the website, which we built ourselves. I, mean, I actually came up with the name. Oh yeah. I'm sorry. Sorry. He gets just, credit for that. Just so you know, yeah. like, I, was and I love that. That's a great name. It is a great name because you know why my dad, Murray Lender, that very smart businessman used to say the name of your business should say what you do. Remember that Emily. Okay. Like Toys R Us, Yogaville, Burger King. Not kosher, though. We don't talk about that. Mm -hmm. Okay. Sorry. But it, it makes the point. It gets, definitely gets the point across. Yes. Okay. So you have the business going. It's a great name. It's great Thank training. You. <laughs> and you have this basis for Jewish yoga with children. How does it become the business that it became where I was able to take the training, which I love? I'm going to let Evan answer that. And if he doesn't both here. points, I will jump in. So one of the things that Harris does, if you've taken the training, you know, is explains how yoga is a science in a way that it's a science on how to calm your body and your mind. And the point is, is that the science grew up around Hinduism. So it is chock full of Hindu references. Thinking about that, that if it's a science, I should be able to take out that Hinduism and put in you know, whatever one I want, whatever references I want and get the same effect. And so... I suggested we do that. And I said, you know, it's really problematic going into a Jewish school and chanting these things or calling these names. And so, uh, yeah, together we worked on making it more Jewish, uh, doing Jewish songs in our repertoire. And I helped write a lot of the songs too with Harris. So, uh, you know, that was a lot of years and a lot of fun. And we use, often use because of their, uh, the nature of them being public domain, used a lot of the Jewish songs God, God, yeah. I was going to say, can we sing one? Let's see, if any of your, let's see if any of your viewers or your listeners remember this song. Of course they do. Yoga makes me strong. Yoga makes me strong. I took a hike up the big mountain. Yoga makes me strong. Yoga, Yoga makes, makes me strong. strong. So we were able to, obviously that's God, God, yeah, everybody. We were able to take some of those songs because those are all older than 75 years old. 
which is the magic year when you don't get sued. <laughs> you have to go 75 plus years and they'll leave you alone. Anyway, so yeah, we just figured that it was a good way to incorporate it. And, and reality is Jewish people make up a lot of the uh, yogis, make up a big percentage of yogis and people who enjoy doing yoga. And Jewish schools are on the forefront of trying to be as progressive and hip and come out with the newest, deal with the newest stuff that they can. So it seemed like a good fit. And a lot of the teachers were teaching in Jewish situations at JCCs, at Jewish schools themselves. And they were saying, because what should I do with my Jewish kids? Or is there something I can do? So all that coming together, we decided to make Yogi Yellow Deem. And, you know, the actual doing it is not so hard. Once we started doing our online, we had a whole formula for how we did these things and taking the games and having people who were editing them. So one person didn't have to do the whole, te all the tedious tasks. We had really a great team of people that helped us enter the stuff in our system, mm -hmm. put it in there, advertise it, make it look really nice. And, uh, and we're really fortunate to work with those type of people because when we have an idea, they really jump on it and, uh, and it came together really quickly. We think it should be a lot more successful than it is. Of course we do. <laughs> but, you know, it's chugging along. People who take it love it. And the, you know, the forum is pretty active and there's always around the holidays, you always have a lot of stuff going on. But we actually did the math yesterday just to double check. And Jewish people represent what, 2% of the population? Yeah. And we kind of came up with the number of people that have taken Yoga Yellow Demon. It's way more than 2% of the population of Kitty Around Yoga. So that's probably a really good sign, right? Yes. Definitely. And I wanted to add in something about the whole Yoga Yellow Deem thing. It, kind of interesting. I mean, if you're Jewish, you know this. You've got Reconstructionist Jews. You've got Reformed Jews, Conservative, Reform, um, Chabad. I mean, I've gone to Chabad. Keep, going, keep one name in them. I, I'm, don't, don't test me here. <laughs> I have gone to, I mean, I'm very aware of all these different ways, sects. sects and ways to be in I want to do the right thing, of course. And I, we go to Chabad here and I love going to Chabad. And I'm also a member, I was a member of the, of the Reform Synagogue and Conservative. But I've gone in with like long black pants with a skirt over my pants and my head covered and my elbows covered and gone through the whole Kidding Around Yoga, Yoga Yellow Deem class. And obviously I can't say namaste and there's different, you know, and I've gone to Reform Judaism synagogues, whatever. And they're like, oh, do whatever you want. And everywhere you go, you kind of have to learn what's going to be acceptable and take things out and alter it the way that you need to. So it's not just this is Jewish yoga and this is not Jewish yoga. It's a little bit more complicated than that. One of the things we say kidding around yoga is uh, bring it to where they're at. So if we're they're them, at, meet them at where, where they're at. If where they're at is in a strictly religious sense, then you come in there and you don't like rock their boat, but you still put the stuff out, out there. Like, you know, when we say namaste and we put our hands in prayer position, I mean, obviously I can't do that in most synagogues. So we kind of created putting my hands across my chest, one hand on top of the other. Sometimes people will say, it's, a, it's okay to say namaste. Or you could say, shalom. Imagine that. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's a no brainer. But we just put our hands over our chest and crisscross them. And then, you know how we teach children, peace begins with me. I'm, I'm putting you on the spot. I hope you remember. We've done like, you know, Yud, Hey, Vav, Hey, or uh, Hashem Eloheinu, Hashem Echad, or something like that. And um, whatever works for wherever we are, it's all good. Since there's no visual, as we press the fingers into the oh. thumbs. Oh, yeah. What we're doing is we're touching the thumbs to each fingertip as we say one of the four words of the mantra. 
Of course, if you're listening to this podcast, you could just take the training and then you'll learn how to do that. Oops, shameless plug, sorry. And that's part of what this is about. Feel free to say what the website is if people want to look for you. No, we're going to give your listeners a code and I'm not really sure what that is yet, but we're going to figure it out. That's fine. They could literally just email me if they want to do it. That might even be better. And I will share with them the email address. And then I can say hello to them. I like that better. What is your email, email address? It's hlender at kiddingaroundyoga.com. Email me and we're going to give them, you're the money man. Evan is the money man. What percentage are they going to get off of the training, honey? 50% off. (gasps) Oh boy. It's our anniversary. He is feeling really uh, generous today. Nice. Excellent. You make a very good point when you speak about how the program Yoga Yiladim needs to be tailored and meeting where people are. And of course, just in general, that always makes me think of when you go to teach any yoga class, you read the room, you meet people where they are. So starting out from the very basic, what are things, like you said, needed to be taken out from yoga teaching when it became Yoga Yiladim? And then as you made points, not, not the prayer hands. And how did you change other things depending on the different levels of observance? And how were you comfortable with that? Or what was your thinking behind it? Well, can I say one thing before I sure, let you talk? Go Evan's going to answer this, but just to throw in a little bit of the history of us real quick. Please. Evan and I met on match.com and I was like, once I realized how religious he was, Evan's very religious. I was like, why were you not on J date? <laughs> and he's like, I was practicing, but anyways, we got married. So it was good practice. <laughs> he was not happy with the fact that I had Ganesh's and all kinds of Buddha statues in my yard. I got rid of them for him. It's fine. We all make compromises. So He's in charge of that part of the business, whatever he says goes. And that's why I just wanted to tell you, I was like a hardcore yogi, really into all the symbolism and the statues and, and Evan's kind of in charge of how that works. And so he's going to answer. I was happy to give that up for him. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, really, what is it, what is it about Judaism that makes yoga difficult is the, you know, the idols, the uh, idea of having other gods and multiple gods in Hinduism is a problem in from a Jewish perspective. So the whole thing is just getting rid of all the references to the Hindu gods and some of the Sanskrit names. You may not know it or realize it, but they have Hindu gods names built into their Sanskrit names. And so just getting rid of all that stuff and replacing it with Jewish symbols and Jewish names or Jewish chants is really all it took. You just had to be careful as you were, as you were sifting through the course, what had those references to Hindu practices or Hindu things. I think like, if they find like chanting is one of the things, kirtan is something that uh, we have these chanting sessions, but Jews chant too. We chant in, you know, in the synagogue and we, so, but more like, especially in the Hasidic chants, you know, if you go to the Chabad Shabbat morning thing, they'll be chanting the same non-word, you know, whatever, over and over. Or a Chalbach thing, you forget that. That's like, the energy is unbelievable. So we all do it, but it, we just do it with Jewish symbols, with like, you know, you with uh, Am Yisrael Chai, as opposed to some Hindu chant that talks about their gods. So since it's a science, you can replace it with our own symbols and it still has the same effect where it will calm you down. It will, it will focus your mind now where you don't, your mind doesn't wander off because you're so into chanting Am Yisrael Chai that you're in a whole other level and you feel the energy of those people around you. So 
that's what we're doing. We're taking those same experiences, but changing them so that they use Jewish symbolism and Jewish themes that are acceptable. You're not thinking about the fact that you messed up the gefilte fish for the kiddish. You're just really <laughs> in. <laughs> That's hilarious. It's true. It's true. I really loved it. And there's always the regalach. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Always regalach. As you created this, how did you get the word out about it? How did you feel it was received by yoga teachers, by the community, by the children, by various sects of Judaism and observance levels? It's been a long time since we put it out there, but what I can remember is it was very organic. Everything we've done has been organic. We never really worked... Well, we worked hard, of course, but we know everything happened fairly easily for us because of timing. And you hear that a lot in successful businesses. The timing was right. Another thing my dad always used to say, he owned a company called Lenders Bagels. And people were like, How, what did you do? What did you do? It was like, it was just the timing was right. The timing for this was right. But um, I don't know. It just... It didn't get huge. I mean, it was still a small part of our company. Yeah, we put a fair amount of money into advertising. We've done some trade shows. We did some stuff with the JCCs, the Federation of Jewish Community Centers. We've tried a lot of stuff. Not the Federation, JCC, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. We poured some money into advertising and different things like that. A trade show in San Diego we went to. But none, you know, like it's like spaghetti. You throw it against the wall, if it sticks, then they keep going with it or whatever. But uh, nothing's just stuck with it so much. We've done it to, like I said, to different groups. And we have typically what it is, is there's some teachers who are really gung-ho, who are really excited about it. And they carry it forward for as long as they want. And we have a few teachers. There was Ellen, the uh, singer, and uh, she had her own- Ellen Allard. Ellen Allard. She's famous. She's a good friend of ours. And, you know, her rhythm in Ruach. But she took a lot of our stuff and she did trainings with it and she brought it out there. But- She's totally excited by it. She loves it. It works great. She's done it with kids and she loves right. it. She's not Rhythm and Ruach, just in case oh, she I'm hears sorry. this. And but the group heard of Rhythm and Ruach. Ruach too, we've done it. Taking the ideas and we're, like, we're happy to share them. We just want to see Jewish kids get the experiences that they should. There and are a lot of tools. people out there using it and making it work. It's just a very small percentage of the population. I mean, it's working and it's successful for the people that are using it. But we put a lot of time into it, a lot of creativity, a lot of money. And then kidding around yoga international was exploding, exploding. Like we weren't even sleeping at night and we were traveling or I was traveling all the time. There came a day when I had to say, okay, how much time can I put into Yoga Yeladim when I'm literally one weekend I'd be in Paris and then I'd be in San Diego and then I'd be in Costa Rica and I'd have 400 teachers emailing me every week and I'd have two Yogi Yeladeen people emailing me. Mm. You, know, you just kind of get to that point where you've got to put your energy where it belongs. So the bottom line is really never taken off like we had ever hoped. And no school systems, no denomination has ever like taken it over and said, we need this in all our Hebrew schools. You know, and we've had trainers who've tried to offer it and we've done it once or twice, but it's really rare that anyone asks for a yoga that yellow dean training. It's uh, more like ancillary to the... Uh... Maybe PJ Library is listening. Wouldn't it be nice if we could get hooked up with them? We've actually... That would be a great idea. Have you reached out to them? We actually have a long time ago, but like I said, and they were interested. We met them in San Diego at the JCC National Convention. It was lots of fun and they were blown away. They loved it. Everybody's busy. Everybody's got, and even following up for us was hard because kidding around yoga was exploding and we didn't have a lot of staff back then. I kind of disagree with Evan a tiny bit. 
I still think it's doing okay. It's just never going to be what kidding around yoga is. It's, it's a Jewish kids yoga program. Yes. I think it's great. No, it's really what the Jewish schools need, what uh, teachers of Jewish kids can use to, to have great Jewish yoga classes and not worry about stepping on the, the toes of kids who are more religious or don't want to hear about Hinduism, you know, and just have fun. And maybe this is an opportunity, I should have said it at the beginning, to thank you for the opportunity to be here to talk about it, because I'm sure that somebody is going to email us in the next couple of weeks. It's my pleasure. Thank you. It's my pleasure. And I highly recommend this. Somebody who's taken the training, both the the Kidding Around Yoga and the Yoga Yiladim, I highly recommend it. It's ideas, lots of great ideas. And once you start and you learn the outline and you learn how we do it, you get to add in your own creativity. The sky's the limit. You can do anything. There isn't like one way to do it. Once you know how to teach the class, it's easy to throw stuff in. Right. And then you share it with your friends on the Yogi Yeldim uh, group. And as somebody who teaches in Jewish nursery schools and religious schools, I use it a lot. Mm-hmm. And in fact, I was just offered a job to do a monthly Rosh Chodesh class for a nursery school. And it's going to mm-hmm. reflect each holiday and so forth. I love um, that. And you know, the best thing about that age group you can't have a lot of curriculum. They need repetition. So if you have a story for every Jewish holiday and for the Sabbath, that's probably enough. A couple games. When you're entertaining or teaching 10, 11, 12-year-olds, you got to keep it fresh every week. But if you're teaching two, three, and four-year-olds, no. You got to kind of do yoga nagila every week. They want to do yoga nagila every week, right? <laughs> yes, indeed. We need to come up a with a Rosh Kodesh song. That would be good. It would be a good one. You spoke about reaching out to different denominations and whatnot and observance levels of Judaism. Have you found that everybody's been receptive to it or certain groups have been more receptive? You spoke about Chabad. Do you mean within Judaism? Yes. Is that something you speak to in terms of how they've been open to? Everybody. If Chabad's okay, with, and even our Chabad here in St. Pete, if I can't go... One of my non-Jewish teachers goes and I always pull them aside ahead of time. And I'm like, cover yourself up, be respectful. But the Chabad rabbi and Rebetzin, they're there. I mean, they're just the most loving, awesome people. And they don't judge and they don't even say anything. I'm just telling them. And we've done it with uh, Chabad at other places too. And I think Mm -hmm. that for the most part, no one's shown any reluctance to have it in their classes. It's just that it's only as as needed. Like we have kids now doing camp i need something now yeah can you come in with yoga good let's do it now yeah and you do it and they're happy and they had a great time but they're they're not thinking like oh next week why don't you come back and next week unless you have a teacher who really wants to push that and then they can set it up but the stuff we did was more demo type things we can't really speak to the experience as like we didn't do a religious school on a weekly basis harris is looking at me like she did yeah i'm sorry (laughs) I mean, I taught fourth grade and we have tons of teachers that do it weekly. And in for summer camps, we have teachers that go out every week right here in St. Pete. I have a very good friend who does Chabad every week in the summer. We've been doing that with Chabad for probably, oh my gosh, 10 years. That sounds great. And our local Jewish school, the conservative one too, their director of education has taken our training and she does it in the morning with the kids. There are people everywhere doing it, honestly. We just... They don't reach out to us so much, so what do we know? Well, also, you know, we're, we're kind of coming out of COVID right now, so our brains are a little stale because there hasn't been a lot of communication with people. We 
all took like a little year and a half break there. And now we're all kind of waking up and we're going back out. Well, you'll probably love the story, Emily. I tried to get into my synagogue for years, CBI here, the conservative synagogue. Good friend of mine ran the preschool. I was like, I got, this is a long time ago. I got to get in there. I want to teach a class. I'm going to teach a class. So it was at the beginning of my teaching days. Finally, she said, okay, you can come in. I'm going to bring in the two and the three-year-olds. And do you know the song Toga? Yeah. You know, so Toga. Make, so you take off your shoes and you pick up pom-poms with your toes. Well, this was at the beginning of my teaching. So I wasn't as good as I am now. Like if something doesn't work now, I can quickly say, oh, that didn't work. I'll do this. Well, I knew we're all going to play toga. Well, they came in with 32-year-olds, <laughs> 30 slash two-year-olds. And I was like, all right, everyone take your shoes off. And they looked at me, if looks could kill, they were like, are you kidding me? We just spent 20 minutes putting those shoes on. I'm like, but we're playing toga. You have to take your shoes off. And that was like my first opportunity to teach in a preschool. And I learned my lesson very quickly that maybe Togo wasn't going to happen or I'd have to talk to them first. Lessons learned along the way. <laughs> and how do you find the kids take to the Yoga Yiladim, children's Jewish yoga? I don't think it's any different than any other class we teach. Most kids really love it. I mean, sometimes the first week, they don't know what they're doing. They don't know the drill. And there's always one kid who's like, you know, I'm not going to do it. But yes. once they get used to it and they know the songs, we do yoga nagila and we dance around. Once they know what to expect, I think I'm right, honey. They all love it. It's so much fun. I think that, you know, they don't really know what yoga is. So they don't know what to expect. Oh. And so when we start playing games and singing <laughs> yoga songs, they're like, is this yoga? And they don't know. And so they have a good time and they enjoy it, but they don't know they've done yoga. That's one of the things about getting around yoga is the kids do yoga, but they don't know they're doing yoga. But they like to think like mommy does yoga, I'm doing yoga or whatever. So he just reminded me of the greatest story ever. Do you know what I'm talking about? We were in New Haven, Connecticut, where I'm from. And we were, I was invited to go teach at a Chabad or Orthodox summer camp. And there were like 14 little boys in the class. I was just going in to do one class just to help out my community where I grew up. And I, I have to be honest, I definitely work better with little girls. 14 boys came in. You were there. Tzitzis flying everywhere. Yeah, tzitzis, the whole thing, <laughs> heads covered. And I taught this class and I couldn't believe it. It was so great. Evan was there. And I'll never forget this. Oh, I did forget until just now. And then at the end of the class, the kids said, when are we going to do the yoga? <laughs> <laughs> and that's a good story. I forgot about. And then I, I realized at that moment, wow, this works. This is great. Because they just thought they were playing games. Getting ready. They didn't even know they were doing yoga because a lot of kids think that yoga is that boring thing that mom does or dad does. Take a deep breath twist, look to the right. Well, that's not what we do. We meet them on their level. We have fun. Awesome. Sounds great. Excellent. Is there anything about Judaism that doesn't speak to you guys in terms of connecting to yoga? What do you find connects together? What do you find doesn't connect? You want to go first, honey? I don't try and conflate the two. I don't try and like mix them. It's not my goal to make Judaism seem like yoga, yoga seem like Judaism. So I like to, when I talk about it, what's the difference? I told Harris that it seems to me like in Judaism, you know, we have our mitzvot, we have our doing good deeds to, for those around us. So it's an outward, external type 
outward directed religion and, and energies where yoga is trying to calm your own mind, bring yourself to peace, get yourself in line with your feelings and things like that. So one is outward directed, one is inward directed in my mind, but I don't have to, I don't have to merge them. It's not like something I'm trying to do. Okay. But the question was what doesn't speak to you in the world of Judaism? That doesn't speak is that is that what the question was? There are various takes on it. That's that right. was one of the questions, and mm -hmm. also, but like I think what Evan was answering in terms of how do you see them driving together or not, separate, similar, or whatever, mm -hmm. it's really open to okay. Whatever you want to address that. Are you done? Sure. Or are you gonna? No, no, you don't have to be done. You can keep talking. No, you I can be done if you are done. <laughs> well, I will say the number one thing for me. I mean, I didn't think about this before I met my husband because we come from different religious worlds is that there's too many rules for me in Judaism. Some of them I really like. And even, you know, now that I've been married to Evan for 14 years today, I do appreciate some of them. I love the Sabbath, especially if I can actually follow it. It's not always possible. I would never have been able to build Kidding Run Yoga if I was a religious Jew. I mean, I mean, maybe I could have, but it would have been a different thing. But there's a lot of rules and sometimes that makes it challenging for me. I try to follow as many as I can. Evan is super strict about that. So, but that makes him happy. That's his thing. But the funny thing is, of course, I'm not super strict for most people. Just for Harris, I seem super strict. But, you know, it's really what there's two different rules out there. There's the rules between man and man and man and the rules between man and God. And I believe firmly that the rules between man and man are more important and more holy way to be is to treat each other with respect and treat each other as holy beings rather than following the commandments to not mix wool and linen or something, you know. And so while I do try and keep all the commandments I can. I'm not perfect and uh, I'm not nearly as religious as Harris likes to keep saying. <laughs> he is perfect. <laughs> but, but it sounds like both of your backgrounds came together to make this awesome program. It did actually, in a way it was perfect. Evan always wanted to have his own business and he hadn't had one yet. And I had this business and mm -hmm. it kind of came together with the fall of the financial. I just, I didn't have enough service in my life. <laughs> It all came together at the right time and it ended um, last last year in October when we'd been going through this whole COVID thing and a lot of Black Lives Matter issues where I had to rewrite some of our songs and our curriculum, which I was happy to do, but a lot of it was really challenging for me. And I kind of woke up one day in October and I said, you know what? I think I'm too old for this. Like, you know, things like, I would always say in my training, girls learn how to do the crow earlier than boys. I hope I don't get in trouble for saying this, but these physiologically, that kind of was the way it was. And then I got in trouble. I couldn't say that anymore. And I decided one day I'm too old. I cannot do this anymore. I think I'm going to retire. And I gave Evan about one minute notice. I said, I think I'm done. And I still love my company and there's certain things I'll do. Like I love editing. Don't spell anything wrong on my website. That's a no-no. But I handed the keys to the business over to Evan last October and we're coming out of this pandemic now. So we're not sure how well that has worked yet. We will see. <laughs> I think it's going well though. Excellent. You had spoken to me previously. Was that your dad's visit to Yogaville? Yeah. My dad came to Yogaville with me in the summer of June of 2000. 
thousand. And he had had a stroke, a massive stroke the summer before. He lost his speech and I can't believe he came with me. My dad was a little, little tiny bit critical of my love for yoga. He would say to me, hair, you should get an office job. You would really light up an office. And I'm like, dad, this is it for me. I'm going to teach yoga. That's all I want to do. I'm never going to make a lot of money, but I want to teach yoga. And after he had his stroke, we bonded on a different level. And I took him to Yogaville the same weekend that Swami Satchidananda was there with Rabbi Gelberman. Long story short, Rabbi Gelberman was one of the first teachers of Kabbalah. Uh, thank you. He I was a Hasidic uh, rabbi that lost his whole family in the war. His kids and, and his wife. And so he was the rabbi that married us. An interesting guy. And he was 90 something Beautiful when, man. He married, when he married us. And so he was best friends with Swami Satchidananda. Talk about like twin brothers from different mothers. You have a, re a religious Hindu yoga master and this, you know, this, I keep wanting to say Kundalini, but my, my mind is- <laughs> A Hasidic uh, rabbi from the old country, you know? No, oh. no. What did he teach? Kabbalah. Kabbalah, sorry, Kabbalah. I keep wanting to say Kundalini because I'm the yogi. He taught Kabbalah. He was one of the first Kabbalah teachers in the United States. They were best of friends for many, many years. And so when we got married in Connecticut and he was living in New York, we hired him to marry us. So I felt like that was kind of cool because obviously we needed a rabbi and we weren't really on the same page religiously, but this guy was my guru's best friend. So we brought him in. Anyways, I brought my dad to Yogaville and I knew the only way I could get my father, a conservative older Jewish man to show up at a yoga ashram would be the weekend that Rabbi Gelberman was there and there were Jews everywhere. Lots and lots of Jews everywhere. And we ended up dancing the Hora with Swami Satchidananda and Rabbi Gelberman. And we had an amazing weekend. And my dad, after that weekend, he couldn't speak. He only had like 10 words. But every time he would see a picture of Swami Satchidananda, he would put his hands together and kiss them and go. Mum, mum, mum. He loved him. I mean, you know, Swami Satchidananda was quite a character. He was very witty, very intelligent. And my dad fell in love with him. So that was a great weekend for me. I, I remember after that weekend saying, I'm done now. I can go. God, you can take me. And it was fabulous. I have these great pictures of the three of them together. So that weekend, they did it every year for like 30 years or something. It was called, or maybe 40, the Swami and the Rabbi. And the Swami would be sitting there next to the Rabbi. People would ask questions. But that weekend with my dad there, they called it the Swami, the Rabbi, and the Bagel Baker. <laughs> so it was quite a treat. And I'm really glad I had the opportunity to bring him to see my land because I had quite a few acres of land there and a yurt. And so that's how that all came together. Nice. It's so great that he had a wonderful time. He was open to going and it really helped open his eyes about yes. where you were in your life. Exactly. How did Rabbi Gelberman become connected to Sachananda and how did they find each other? And what was the specifics about what bonded them? In a nutshell, and boy, I hope I don't get any of these facts wrong, but there was an interfaith panel of, there was a priest named David. And that, that, so there's a priest and a rabbi and a Muslim and a Jew and a Hindu. And walk into a bar? 
What's yeah, that? it's a setup for a joke, ready? <laughs> oh, exactly. And they're yeah. all on an airplane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, so Swami Satchidananda was very, so integral yoga is truth is one, paths are many. That was his whole thing. Yeah, I've been to the was, ashram in, in New York City and I love that. Yeah, absolutely. So we've been there a gazillion times, same thing. So Swami Satchidananda was, he was on the Mike Douglas show. I mean, he opened Woodstock. I mean, this guy knew what he was doing. He was out there and he was in touch with people from all the world religions. And they were always doing all of these events all over the world. And that's what Yogaville is. If you look at the Yantra from Yogaville, you'll see every major world religion. And a big part of that was Rabbi Gelberman. So they were, and Father David, and they were just very, very close. And they also had great senses of humor. I mean, these two guys together, like you would never imagine. Swami Satchidananda was totally an enlightened being. And Rabbi Gelberman, I don't know, probably, I can't speak for that, but he started something called the Interfaith Synagogue. And that was in New York. They were just very, very close. And they did a lot of big, big events all over the world. So when I had the opportunity to bring Rabbi Gelberman in to marry us, I thought, wow, this is amazing. And we took Swami Satchidananda's prayer shawl, which someone had given to me, and we used that as our tablecloth in the wedding for the, wow, for the special. glass, the wine glass was. Luckily, we were told to use white wine because white wine. that's the key. Yes, because it, it did get, it get, did get it spilled. spilled. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was our second wedding, so it wasn't like some big thing. But we were in Norwalk, Connecticut, and he was in New York. And we had a bluegrass klezmer band. Margot Leverow, who started the Klezmatics. The Klezmatics. I think I've heard of them, actually. Well, Margot Leverow started that band, and she came with this band. And our parents were like, bluegrass and klezmer? How are you going to do that? We did it. And you should have seen all these 70-year-old Jewish ladies out there. <laughs> on and Well, because, you know, you're dancing to klezmer, and it's very fine line there. All of a sudden, it's like bluegrass. It worked. Evan's a bluegrass musician, so we made it work. Nice. I love that. Before I let you guys go, anything you want to finish up with? Anything you wanted to share? Anything that came to your mind while we've been speaking? Something we didn't get to? Hmm. Well, I think that uh, one thing I found is that there is a, you know, is a reluctance on the part of Jewish people to think that they could do yoga. So it's like, uh, it's eating like the uh, fake uh, crab. Who knows if you're, if you're kosher, who knows does that really taste like crab? I don't know, but there's someone out there who knows that that's what crab tastes like. And he made that so you can enjoy the crab. And so we've done that for yoga for the little Jewish kids. If they can enjoy yoga, we took the real, the authentic yoga and, and made it Jewish for them, made it kosher. I love the way you put that. <laughs> Great way to say it. Excellent. Anything else? I would say in closing, I hate to say this because we always say it. It doesn't matter what year it is. We're always going to say during these challenging times, everybody's so stressed out. That's always kind of what everyone says. But I feel like we should really, we really mean it this year. This has been a very difficult time for everybody. And it's more important than ever for everybody to take care of their spiritual, mental, and physical health. And I feel like we teach yummy yoga. We teach children how to bake challah in yoga class. We teach them how to breathe. And that's like your most portable form of stress management. 
says my teacher, Swami Vidyananda. We teach him how to stretch. You need to be physically active. And in order to get through these, and these are very difficult times, very difficult times, kids need to move. They need to eat right. They need to know how to meditate. They need to know how to breathe. And we have a program that I think touches upon all of that. So if you're here listening to this today, I hope that you will consider bringing this to whatever community you're a part of. Yogi Eladim is a smaller part of a bigger company. So we have a lot of help, a lot of help. If you have a chain of Jewish preschools, we can bring teachers in nationally. And we would love to do that. We want to do that. So in conclusion, I would just have to say, if not now, when? <laughs> You're Hill Allen, I'm Shemai, is that it? <laughs> I love that. That's great. Well, it's true and you know it. It's true. That's great. So I want to thank both of you for your time and all your information. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you for creating this program. Both the Kidding Around Yoga and the Yoga Yoga Dean has been instrumental in my development as a teacher and also as a yogi personally. Aww. And again, also I'm also switching over to trying to move away from my regular day job and making teaching yoga the thing. And all the kids' classes today. We'll <laughs> have coffee. We'll talk. I would love that. Okay, well, that's Thank great.